Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and co-parents of all ages, this podcast is for you. Introducing in the center ring, the amicable divorce expert, Judith Weigel. Welcome to 2023, the start of a new year, the start of new decisions, the start of a fresh life, if that's what you want it to be. This is episode 206 of the Amicable Divorce Expert podcast. We're going to look at the necessity of the emotional divorce to precede the legal divorce. There are two divorces, the emotional divorce and the legal divorce. People don't think of it like that, but there actually are two divorces. The emotional divorce comes first. It needs to be settled before the filing in court begins. This takes a lot of emotional awareness, a lot of emotional maturity, and an understanding that the way the legal divorce is handled reflects on how you want to be while divorcing. Do you want to be a victim, a bully, an angry, demanding person? Do you want to cause harm to your spouse? Well, people do go through all of those emotions. How, as a parent, do you want your child to see you handling a stressful situation, dealing equitably with your child's other parent or alienating the other parent and cause your child to dislike them because there was a problem in the marriage, which, by the way, has nothing to do with your children? Without fail. A divorce can cost in the six and seven figure range because both spouses haven't fully gone through the emotional divorce, need attorneys to speak for them, and delight in causing the other spouse harm. But when the finances run out, miraculously, the spouses can come together, at least talk temporarily, in order to get the divorce done through a mediator at a much reduced cost. Money and the lack thereof can be the greatest motivator for an amicable settlement. But why spend all that money in the first place? You don't have to if you understand the concept of and the need for the grieving and self-awareness that can take place squaring up the emotions of ending the marriage before starting the legal part of the divorce, the filing. And here's how it works. Divorce is emotional. The lead up to filing and throughout the filing, divorce is emotional. Throughout the filing, there are so many decisions to make that are extremely important to get right. Custody and co-parenting, if there are minor children, child and spousal support, or alimony, as they call it in other states, and the division of assets and debts. These decisions cannot be made well while emotional. The question becomes, can the emotion be diminished or controlled that becomes the backdrop to decision-making and the reason for bad decision-making? And the answer is yes. Yes, we can control ourselves if that's what we want to do, if we get help in doing so. Along with being so emotional that decisions could be made badly, there is the emotional disposition of your spouse. Is he or she being difficult to deal with? Is he or she making unrealistic and threatening demands 
in any area of decision making. This will cause you to become emotional, and the emotion then escalates across the board to your children, to your lawyers, and to anybody helping you if you're self-represented. None of this is good, nor is it productive, nor is it necessary. Here's how to course correct. Number one, once the decision to divorce is made, mutually decide with your spouse to wait before filing. Both spouses need to grieve the end of the marriage, heal, get some therapy, go into self-reflection mode for responsibility, and possibly, here's the big one, this is the F word, and possibly forgive each other for the change in the relationship. This is incredibly hard to do, and it takes time, which is why a week won't do. And a month won't do at times. You know, there are people who have chosen to divorce and they're they're okay with it. They both understand that it's necessary. And then they just wait to file. They don't know about the emotional divorce versus the legal divorce. They just don't feel a need to rush into the divorce. Possibly they can make decisions on their own if there's if there are minor children. Possibly they make enough money on their own that they can support themselves and then throw money into a pot for the kids or for extra bills that are uncounted, you know, are are not counted for. So this is great. And then you can go to people like mediators and legal document preparation people, if you have those in your state, to do the filing for you, because now you can make decisions. So once the decision to divorce is made, I'd like to repeat this, mutually decide with your spouse to wait before filing. Both spouses need to grieve the end of the marriage, heal, get some therapy go into self-reflection mode, and possibly forgive each other for the change in the relationship. I wanted to repeat it because it's so extremely important to understand. Now I want to turn you on to a book. I learned about the emotional divorce from a professional colleague through this book called The Good Karma Divorce. The Good Karma Divorce was written by Judge Michelle Laurence. Judge Michelle Laurence was a family law judge in the state of Illinois. After about 12 years or so, she left the bench and became a mediator and wrote this book. Her empathy for people is so strong and her observation of people and what made things rocky versus what made things smooth is what she talks about in the divorce. And what she was saying is typically one of two things occur to trigger the divorce conversation. One spouse decides they want a divorce and goes through the grieving process alone before asking the other spouse for a divorce or There is constant arguing, and divorce is used as a weapon, a threat, and the theme of ongoing arguments. It just takes one spouse to change the trajectory of the arguing to say 
they don't want to participate. Yes, to say they don't want to participate in arguing any longer and would use a therapist, a coach, or a mediator to help calm the emotions so that grieving can take place. For the spouse who may have started the grieving and detachment phase by themselves leading up to the divorce conversation, before, you know, in order to ask the spouse for a divorce, you have to give your other spouse the time they need to adjust to the idea of divorce and take time for their own emotional healing. For the spouse who processed the divorce first, the natural inclination is to want to move forward too quickly without giving the other spouse time to catch up emotionally. Okay, so here's what the judge was saying. For the spouse who's come to the decision that divorce is the only way to move forward, processes. They don't talk about it. Maybe their behavior changes a little bit and the other spouse notices something different. Maybe they pull back on the intimacy. Maybe they change their schedule. Maybe their tone of voice changes. But the other spouse knows something weird is going on. It's just not discussed. And fear takes in takes over and quite often the other spouse doesn't ask, just says, oh my God, is there an affair? Is something else going on? Is there another person? Uh Uh-uh. The spouse who processes first, who goes through the, the necessary grieving stages first, that spouse is changing on their own because the grieving process is designed for positive change. The grieving process, which takes in rejection, acceptance, bargaining, denial, guilt. There's seven stages of divorce guilt. And you have to go through most of them in order to go through the legal side of the divorce better. So one spouse will go through all of the grieving, not say anything, and then they will open up the discussion with the other spouse, I think I'd like a divorce. And there's really no negotiating. They've already made this decision on their own. It happens so often. And you both may know that the marriage isn't working. You both may know that There's no intimacy. You don't really talk anymore like you used to. Uh, One spouse will make decisions without the other spouse, maybe about the kids' school, things, you know, like that. Just, Just to start putting distance between themselves and you, the other spouse. So they've gone through the grieving stages without knowing they're going through the grieving stages. And they had to go through all of that in order to come to you and say, I want a divorce. But now you have to let the other spouse go through their grieving stages. They have to. They can't just jump into the filing. And you have to let them because they tacitly let you go through the grieving stages. Without knowing you were doing that, they let you do it. So that's what Michelle talks about, what Judge Lorenz talks about in her book. She talks about the emotional divorce versus the legal divorce. She talks about putting her 
self-represented clients on timeout. So they would come for a series of hearings and they would argue and nothing could get done. And the judge didn't really want to make decisions for them that she felt they could make on their own. So she would give them a timeout. She would say, I'm going to give you X number of months. I want you both to grieve. I want you both to go to therapy. I want you both to heal and then come back and let's make decisions. I thought that was so prescient of her. That was amazing. I don't know that a lot of judges do that. And now I want to tell you a story about clients of mine who taught me about the emotional divorce versus the legal divorce. And this was my very first year, maybe my second year of filing and mediating in family law. So we're at the very end of the process. And these two people treated each other with such courtesy and respect that I had to ask them when we were signing off on the settlement agreement and all of the final forms and put together, that's called the judgment package. And I just said, look, you are a joy to work with and very unexpected. How is it that you were able to be so kind and empathetic towards one another, very respectful? And they said, oh, it didn't come easy. It wasn't like that at the beginning. When we decided to divorce, we were different people. We were mean to one another. We were unaccepting. We blamed each other. We didn't take a hard look at, well, you know, what did go wrong? And going wrong doesn't mean that you're bad people. Going wrong means you either didn't marry correctly or you didn't know how to have a healthy relationship. But it's okay. As long as you shore this up in a respectful, kind way, it's okay if you're ending the marriage. Nobody wants to go through that process. Nobody. But we do. Because life is a, a learning lesson. Life is a journey in understanding ourselves. And divorce is just part of that journey. So these two people said, no, 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 we didn't want to be the angry, stereotypical divorcing people because that's not who we are anyway. We're nice people. We're kind people. We're empathetic people. And we wanted to treat each other the way we would treat our friends. So they went to therapy. And they worked out the reasons why they were getting divorced so that they could come to a different level of understanding about themselves, a different level of awareness, and it would enable them to make different choices going forward because they both wanted to be in a relationship. I have never forgotten the lesson this couple taught me. And then as I would go through the last nine years of dealing with people as a mediator or as a document preparation company, I could see the people who did the work. I could see the people who took the time to grieve emotionally before they filed or the filing would start and then my clients would realize, you know what, we just need a little time, Judy. Do we have to meet these deadlines? And I would always say no. As long as you're both on the same page and want to take some time to heal, to catch your breath, to reorganize your finances, get another job, whatever you have to do, it's perfectly fine with me and the court. I am not here to push anybody 
to work beyond their emotional capacity and their financial capacity. And that was always the right thing to do. And eventually people would know when it was time to come together. If only they found other people that they wanted to have relationships with. And these other people said, you know what? I don't want to be in a relationship with a married person. I mean, that triggers it too. And quite often, uh, that's lovely (laughs) when an outside event like that and the other person, the other spouse is like, you know what? Thank you. I wanted to move on. Thank you for triggering this. Let's, let's make it happen. Okay. Number two, different scenario. If you've been served with divorce papers, surprisingly, not that you didn't know there were issues with the marriage, but never discussed divorce. You have to file a response if there are minor children or if there is significant money involved in the settlement. I mean, When I say you have to, I'm saying it is very prudent to. I don't know in other states if you have to file it, but when I talk to my clients and there's significant financial decisions to make and there are children, I always tell the respondent, it is prudent that you file a response because you want to have an equal voice with the court as the petitioner spouse. That's what it means to file a response. You are now on equal footing in the eyes of the court. You can ask for hearings. You can ask for the court's help. But if you don't, you're silent. You've given up your option to uh, use the court on the same level as your petitioner spouse. So you really should. We'll put it that way. But you can ask. So you've been, you've been uh, served surprisingly. And you file a response. You take people, you take people's suggestions like mine, um, to heart and you file a response, but you can ask to pause the filing then from that point forward for a little bit so you can get your emotional bearings. You're allowed to ask for time. In fact, I interviewed a family law attorney from Georgia on this podcast in the second half of 2023. Her name was Tracy Moore Grant. And she said that as an attorney, and you know, if there was opposing counsel, if her client was having a difficult time emotionally, she would call opposing counsel and ask for a month or two time out so that her client could deal with their emotions and come back in a better frame of mind and maybe better frame of heart to make settlement and life decisions properly. Decisions that there would be no regret about. Decisions that were well thought out. You have to do all of that. And I thought that was great for an attorney to do that. And she's not the only attorney that I met that would do that. I also interviewed Catherine Miller an attorney turned mediator, I think, in Connecticut, she would do the same thing. You know, they they realized that if the emotions aren't dealt with, everything becomes crazy. And these are attorneys that weren't looking to make more money because their clients were emotional. So this is something you really have to look out for. If you hook up with the wrong attorney, 
and you hook up with an attorney that loves the fact that their client is emotional because it means they're going to make a lot more money. There's going to be more phone calls, more emails. The attorneys may be treated as their therapist. And so there's a lot of that emotional conversation going on. Attorneys who are a little bit unscrupulous can do what I call frivolous filings, unnecessary filings, um, compel the other side to produce paperwork that isn't necessary, or at least not yet. There's a lot attorneys can do to soak you for money if you hook up with the wrong attorney. But Tracy and Catherine were the right attorneys. They seriously looked out for their clients emotionally and financially. And when I say emotionally, not like a therapist, but they could recognize that when you're emotional, you don't make good decisions. Just on a good day, we get in a car accident, um, a fender bender. How emotional are we there? We're very emotional. Um, You know, we get, I I don't know, We um, COVID threw us into a tizzy. I mean, life throws things at us. And if we don't calm down and think things through properly, we make really bad decisions. And and you know we do. If neither spouse has a representing attorney, so here's another scenario. If neither spouse has a representing attorney and one spouse isn't ready for settlement discussions, there has to be discussion between spouses to establish a time to regroup. There just has to be. This time frame should be set by the spouse who needs the time. Always remember, spouses go through the grieving stage of divorce at different paces. The spouse who received the news about the divorce has a period of shock to go through, serious shock. And then the detachment, grieving, fear of the future, all of that, you know, takes place. So, I mean, if I were just to use myself as an example, a quick example, and anybody who's been on this podcast uh, has heard me reference this, I knew my marriage wasn't great. I knew it. But when I was asked for a divorce, there was no discussion about therapy at that time. There was no discussion about, let's see if we can turn this around. It was just, I want a divorce. That in and of itself, those words were pretty tough to deal with. And it took me a year, literally a year of after work, walking like Forrest Gump around the neighborhood. I just walked and walked. I used work as my respite. You know what I mean by that? I used work as my time out for thinking about, from thinking about the divorce. That's how I used work. And that's how I want everybody else to use work. Do not deal with your divorce while you're at work. We're going to do another podcast on this, how to compartmentalize time. But you have to understand that if you're the spouse that filed for divorce already and and you didn't have the divorce talk, it's a shock to your other spouse. And if you're the receiving spouse, just catch your breath. You really do have to... Bring yourself forward in a way that you can make decent decisions. And you can only do that with therapy, with time. You know, choose a way to grieve. Go to goat yoga. 
It's one of my favorite things to do. Okay, moving on. For unrepresented spouses who need help organizing their lives with minor children and two upcoming households to operate, a divorce mediator can help. This is the least expensive and more engaging way to plan and prepare to create two households and begin filing less emotionally. You know, most people use mediators once disclosure forms are exchanged and they want to work out their settlement terms without a judge in a courtroom. But there are people, very, very uh, intuitively smart people who want the help of a mediator uh, to lay, help them lay out their game plan for getting a second household. What does this look like? What are we responsible to pay for with each other? What aren't we responsible to pay for? What does child support pay for? What, it, what, it, what doesn't it pay for? What does spousal support or alimony pay for? What doesn't it pay for? Nobody understands how this works unless you get with a legal professional. And once spousal and child support numbers are produced objectively from the calculators that each state has, can you even live on that? Sometimes, depending on, you know, what each spouse makes, no, they're just little bits of money to augment. You have to actually either change jobs, get a job, or get a second job. That's reality. So... Preparing ahead of time, my clients taught me how valuable this is. And I applaud them for this and thank them for this. Because yes, um, preparing for two households is as significant as operating two households and making dis- legal decisions once the filing has started. And number three, lastly, What if one spouse is delaying on purpose to torture the other spouse? Okay, and you know this happens. You have friends who have probably explained their dilemmas. So it's obvious. One spouse is delaying. One spouse may have a personality disorder, a mean streak, um, not able to come to the table as a reasonable human being. Well, depending on the number of times an attempt has been made to ascertain a time frame for moving forward with this reluctant spouse, the tortured spouse can provide their deadline to move forward. You can provide a deadline in writing, not a text, please. An email preferred with hard copies mailed uh, and tracking. I always say, you know, use email as your line of first defense. Please get off those texts. Those texts are very difficult to deal with. Uh, There's more context given in email and it's much better that way. I mean, you're going through a legal process. Do the the absolute uh, best way um, of communicating with one another. No fail way. And I'm a big fan of hard copies being mailed two different ways. You know, just what what if they say they never got the email? So you want to do it two ways. Worst case scenario, you can contact an attorney to learn the legal options in compelling participation. I mean, you do have an option. And sometimes 
an attorney is your best option. You know, as a mediator, you know, from this podcast, I always say legal advice is extremely important. I never want to cut the attorneys out, but attorneys are there to speak for you and attorneys are there to do things for you um, that create balance, that move things forward and that look out for you. And so you may have to use an attorney as the last option simply to compel participation with the other spouse. And let me tell you, quite often, it's enough just to get an attorney letter. It's scary enough. Oh my God, these people wield the power of fear. It's so important to emotionally heal before filing. So incredibly important. Or at least not file in anger, if possible. Or to pause the filing, if it's already started. To emotionally regroup if the divorce case is opened. If you and your spouse can agree to take a little time to resolve the marriage first, all of the decisions necessary for the divorce settlement will be easier to make and will have a more lasting impact. So please be aware, conclusion, there are two divorces. There is the emotional divorce and there is the legal divorce. The emotional divorce is settling your emotions. The legal divorce is settling your finances, custody, support. They're both important. They both have their place. And they both need to be recognized. So thank you very much for joining me. Please email me, Judith at theamicabledivorceexpert.com, Judith at theamicabledivorceexpert.com, or go on the website, theamicabledivorceexpert.com. There is speaker pipe, and that's how you can email me. Give me your comments, ask me for different topics to cover, and as always, have an amicable day. That's our show for today. Thank you for joining us. Be good to yourselves, be kind to your spouse, and cherish your children above all else.